As you take your seat this morning, we're going to invite our children to be dismissed to Children's Church. Miss Faith is going to be teaching this morning. She has our children going back there. And you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter number three. That's where we'll be at this morning. <clears throat> and then we'll just give a moment for us all to get settled again. And think about those uh, words that we just sang. Uh, Here in the power of Christ I stand. Or as the old hymn said, on Christ the solid rock I stand. So the question today, of course, when we sing that song is, do we mean it? Is it true? Is he the rock that we stand on? Uh, the invitation today is, if he's not the rock you stand on, that he become the rock you stand on. That firm foundation. Uh, but let's do this. Uh, before I pray, I'm going to invite you to a moment of prayer, contemplation. And I just want you to, to, to kind of see, where are your feet standing today? Are they on solid ground? On the rock that is Christ? Or do you find yourself on sifting sand? If you find yourself on sifting sand, today is the day for us to uh, return to the rock. Bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to give you a moment to pray, consider these things, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we'll continue. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the beautiful time of worship we've already had. We thank you how our spirits have been uh, ministered to. Lord, we thank you for uh, the creative reading of the gospel that we were able to uh, attune our hearts and our minds and attend ourselves to this morning. God, we thank you that you've ministered to us already. Lord, we pray and we ask that you'd continue to be with us this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that you'd be with us as we go to your word. I pray and I ask that you would just please uh, speak to us. Uh, Lord, to those who are not on solid ground this morning, might they find their way to the rock that is Christ. As the song said, lead me to the rock, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, for those of us who know that our, our, our feet are on the solid ground, Lord, encourage us, establish us even further today. Uh, let, our, let our feet be firmly planted, as it were. And then, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would equip us that as we go from this place, we would be the living testimonies. We would be living testimonies, caring about the good news and the weight of it, Lord. 
We would bear it well. We would bear your name, your image, your message well. And we would be light in this dark world. And we would be salt in this bland place, Lord. Lord, I pray and I ask you to equip us for as we go out of this place. I pray these things, Lord, but more than anything, I pray that you are honored and you are glorified and you are exalted today. We pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. And everybody said, before I get into my message, I want to show you all a picture this morning. Can y'all see that? Oh, man, that's fuzzy. Wow, that's pixelated. Well, imagine it's not fuzzy, all right? That is our friends in Pithyjiki, Ukraine. And that is their church building, which I'm a little jealous of. Uh, they have a stained glass window, and it's a really beautiful space that they've been building. Um, and we've actually helped part partner and participate in the, in the efforts of their building. Uh, but they sent this this morning uh, to say Happy Easter uh, to us here at Friendswood Baptist Church. Now, I'll tell you, they aren't even going to celebrate Easter until next week. So the fact that they knew that it was our Easter Sunday is good. But uh, that comes from our friends in Pithyjiki, Ukraine. And it's a reminder to us this morning uh, that uh, they love us. And also a reminder for us to continue praying for them and supporting them. Uh, imagine the, the horrors that they've been living through. And look at them gathered, celebratory, um, and, uh, and thinking of us. Isn't that a great testimony? Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you all about the weight of the good news and how we can bear it. So here's the good news. He is not here. He is risen. That's what the angel said to uh, the women who, who came to the tomb, as, as we found uh, even in the reading this morning from John's gospel. And that's what the angel declared to Mary. Hey, why, why do you seek the living among the dead is, is the question there. So this is the beginning of the good news. The good news is that Jesus was liberated from the grave. He was resurrected from death. And that means that he has secured all authority in heaven and earth. Do you believe this this morning? Amen. Amen. I thought I was in a church that just had its spirit roused uh, through some good singing. I thought I was in a place where people were like-minded of uh, good faith. But I guess, I guess we're, we're finding ourselves in a different territory. Here's more good news. Uh, trusting in. Believing in, having faith in Jesus' death and resurrection secures for us our place before God. Theologically, we call this justification or we call this righteousness. Not only does trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection secure for us our place before God, it restores our relationship with God. Theologically, we call this reconciliation. And in fact, uh, what we find is that God did the legwork in this, in this job of reconciling. He, he didn't say, hey, come reconcile yourselves to me. He said, I'm going to reconcile you to me. Thank you, Brother Sam. I'm glad one of us knows that this is good news. Here's more good news. Uh, believing in Jesus' death and resurrection secures for us and cleanses us, not only these things, but it also cleanses us from our sin. Uh, 
Theologically speaking, we call this sanctification. We've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Well, some of y'all are getting on board. But that's not it. There's more good news. That when we have faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, he frees us from captivity to sin and death. Theologically, we call this redemption. Amen. Amen. So, trusting in Jesus, when we have faith in Jesus, when we have faith that Jesus died on Friday, he rose to new life on Sunday, and then later he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is Lord over all creation. He has secured for him all authority in heaven and earth. We are able to be justified, reconciled, sanctified, and redeemed. That is good news. Such good news. Now, as I said, the call for us is to trust in Jesus' death and resurrection. That what Jesus did uh, secures for us all these things. That Jesus, uh, in his work on the cross, in his work through the resurrection, we have available to us on order to us, these gifts, if you will. But this good news is weighted. It's weighted with this revelation. See, the good news <clears throat> reveals to us that resurrection or new life even if you will, God's kingdom can only come through death. Was there another way that Jesus went? Was there another way that he secured these things for us? Was there another modus operandi of, 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 of the man from Nazareth? If there was no other way, then we know that it is through death, and only through death, that he experienced resurrection. And so then we have to contend with this, uh, that this good news is weighted with an invitation And this invitation to faith or to belief or to trust in Jesus' death and resurrection is not just an invitation to believe that that's what Jesus did. It's weighted with a summons, a call to believe that it is uh, necessary for us to participate and cross-bearing. It's necessary for us to engage in suffering. It's necessary for us uh, to go the way of death if we are going to experience the power of resurrection now and 
if we are going to hold hope and anticipation of experiencing resurrection when Christ returns. So the good news is that Jesus has done it. And the good news is weighted with this revelation that the way for you and I to experience resurrection power is, as Christ would say, by dying daily. By taking up our cross and following him. Uh, Last week we talked about uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem. The so-called triumphal entry of Jesus. And he rode in on a donkey. And the donkey is a symbol all in itself, right? When he rides in on a donkey, he is telling his disciples and he's telling the city, I'm not coming in as a violent military conquering king. I am coming in in totally different fashion. And as we said last week, his disciples were there celebrating him. Hey, look, here it is. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. At this time, we know that the disciples in Luke's gospel were still hoping that when Jesus got to Jerusalem, he would not have to suffer and die. They were hoping that he would be able to become king another way. What I find interesting is after the resurrection, after Jesus has raised from death, and after Jesus has spent time with his disciples, what we find is that not only on that first day did Jesus spend time with his disciples, but, but over the period of about 40 days, From the time that he rose from death to the time that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Over the period of about 40 days, Jesus uh, uh, intermittently spent time with his disciples. Uh, Luke tells us at the beginning of Acts chapter number 1 that he would spend time with them and that he was uh, unpacking the, 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 the scriptures for them so that they could understand. And here's what happens. Right before Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father... The disciples ask a question, and it's not a new question for them. It's a question that they ask in Luke chapter number 19, verse number 11. Is now the time that the kingdom is going to appear? Hey, listen, Jesus, you already died. You already rose from death. No, okay, now is is now the time. Is this the time that you are going to bring your kingdom to bear on the earth? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time. It's not in your power. It's not in your authority. Jesus said, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of God. What his disciples would later go on to realize is that Jesus wasn't the only one summoned To carry the cross. His disciples would go on to understand. That while he is in heaven. He is ruling and reigning. The way for his kingdom. Power. Resurrection. Life to be known here. Is by us. Daily. Dying. This is beautifully articulated. By the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number 3. 
I'm going to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter number three. And uh, I'm going to read it for you. And you can follow along. We'll pick up uh, in verse number four. Verse number four, Paul says, though I could have confidence in my own effort. As anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Paul says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Uh, As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now verse number seven. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's for Jesus' sake that I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage or dung or refuse so that I could gain Christ, so that I could become one with him. He said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And then Paul says these words. I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. How am I going to do this? I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience resurrection from the dead. My brothers and my sisters, this is the weight of the good news. Here's what I want to say today. This isn't new to most of us. We understand the weight of the good news. We understand not only that Jesus died for us, but Jesus bids us. As as the old hymn says, when I survey the wondrous cross, that cross bids me come and die. What do I need to die to? Well, I need to die to any notion that I can rescue, save myself. I need to die to any notion that, that, that I can't be rescued, that I can't be saved. Right? There's two different categories there. There are people who, who think that they deserve salvation, and there are people who are in despair thinking that there's no way that they, that they would be given salvation. Where do you find yourself in those two categories? Are you one of those ones who says, man, I woke up this morning, and I put on my best duds, and I got to church, and guess what? I, bapt- I was baptized whenever I was little after I said a prayer of faith, and so I know that I deserve. I'm entitled. I was nice to a a guy who was homeless on the street the other day. Look at me. I'm a good person. My boss was kind of a jerk to me. And I wasn't mean to his face. I just talked about him behind his back. I'm a good person, right? But then there's other people who are in despair. Man, look at the mess that I've made of my life. What a mess. What a mess I've made of this, this, this beautiful gift of life. Have you ever found yourself in that place? 
made a mess of it. There's no way I can be rescued from this. There's no way I can be saved from this. The good news is, is that Jesus doesn't look on the, the, the ones who have it all together and say, you get favor, and the ones who don't and say, no favor for you. Jesus looks at all of us as one, and he says, favor for all, grace for all, love for all, no matter what. So we have to die to these notions that A, we are entitled to it, or we deserve it, or B, that we are undeserving of it, and there's no way we can grasp it. And let me just tell you, this is not a thing that you die to once. You have to die to this often. My friend Jack, whenever he wrote this book uh, about uh, uh, humility, he said, every day I have to wake up and I have to choose to get down off of my high horse. Because my friend Jack, who is a talented, brilliant, uh, creative, articulate man. He is a wonderful husband and father. He is a, he is a super lawyer uh, uh, among super lawyers, right? Uh, he is a partner in his law firm. He is a, a, a learned scholar. He has a lot to be proud of. But every day, he has to count all of those things lost. He has to die to those things and choose not the great steed, but the lowly donkey, as he put it. So some of you need to die to that, even today. Some of y'all also need to die to the, the despair. You need to put that to death. This thing that says, man, there, there's no hope for me. There's no hope in this world. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot to despair on in this world. I showed you my friends from Ukraine. Whenever I think about their situation, I can just absolutely not only get enraged and angry, but I can become hopeless and despairing. What in the world is going to change the situation? Oh God, how are you going to move? How could anything good come of this? And I can tell you this, it is so good that we have some great people of faith over there who each and every day, who each and every day wake up and say, today, in the midst of this death, I'm going to experience the power of resurrection. And they do that by laying their life on the line, literally. My friends go into the teeth of the front lines to bring humanitarian aid every day. And so in a hopeless situation, they are finding the power of resurrection because they die to the despair that is on order. We have to put that to death. Hey, here's something else we have to die to. Uh, we have to die to our notions Our flesh, as Paul would say. Our will. Our way of handling things. Uh, I'm just going to give you one for instance. Here's one for instance that we have to die to each and every day. We have to die to the idea that it is better for me to be vengeful and vindictive than it is for me to be forgiving. 
I have to die to that each and every day. Jesus' words in John's gospel, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit and he said, listen, whoever you forgive, their sins are forgiven. But watch out that you don't go on unforgiving. Be careful about that. I have to die to that. Here's what I also have to die to. I have to die to this fear of death itself. We live most of our lives absolutely afraid. And it's not a surface fear. It's a very subconscious fear. But absolutely afraid that we're going to lose this life. And listen, this life is a gift and it's precious. God has given us this life and it's precious. But you and I, you and I still live so afraid of dying. Here's, here's how we see it in, in America. We're so afraid of, 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 of dying as a concept that we want to arm ourselves to the teeth in case somebody wants to take my stuff or my life. Like my life is so valuable, more valuable than their life. So we have to die to these things. Here's what I need us to know. That gets wearisome. Paul says, I count all these things but loss. And that sounds like, okay, that's all I got to do is I just got to count all these things but loss. But guess what? When you have to die each and every day, you have to continue putting to death each and every day, it becomes weighty and wearisome. Have you ever had to carry a lot of heavy weight? Some of you, you walk from the, gross, from the back of your car into your house with your arms loaded with groceries and you, your arms are about to give out, right? Whenever we carry weight, it becomes wearisome. Uh, I have a friend who can carry two 50-pound kettlebells without dropping them for a mile. That's amazing to me. Because I can't carry them for 40 steps without setting them down. I know because I can't. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And I'm moving quick. 40. Okay, I'm setting them down. While he can go a mile, he still, the weight still does get wearisome. It gets wearisome for all of us. So here's how we bear this weight. Paul says, I count these things. These things that I once counted valuable, now I count them, I reckon them, I consider them as worthless. What's interesting about this statement that Paul uses in Philippians chapter number three about counting things worthless, it's the same statement that he uses about Jesus in Philippians chapter number two. In Philippians chapter number two, he says to the people, he says, I want this mind to be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And in King's English, it says, though he was equal with God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In modern uh, translations, it is so much better. He says, though he was equal with God, he considered his equality with God something not worth clinging to. 
not worth holding on to. Paul says, I consider everything that once was valuable to me as refuse because in Jesus, I see him saying, hey, even my equality with God is not worth clinging to, holding on to. And then Jesus went this way. He became a human. He took on the form of a servant and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And it's through that. Wherefore, because of this, because Jesus went the way of death, God has highly exalted him. He didn't think it was worth clinging to. He let it go. He took the way of death and God brought him to resurrection, exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So my brothers, my sisters, it's a weight that becomes wearisome. But here's how we bear it. When we remember that whatever we think is valuable is not worth clinging to. Whatever, whatever you think might be valuable or whatever you might suppose is true that you need to hold on to so that you don't die or so that it, you don't put it to death, you, you, you let go and you let death take its way, have its way, if you will. And you're raised. You experience the power of resurrection. I talked earlier about how we, we have to die to these notions of our flesh. One of them being this notion that vengeance and uh, vindictive attitude is better for us. Now let's just consider this one for a second. What do you get when you get vengeance? What happens when you get vengeance? Isn't it so satisfactory? Have you ever gotten vengeance? As your, has your spouse ever told you something that was kind of got under your skin? And so you told them something back to attack them. What, didn't it feel good? Tell me. Did it satisfy you? Did, did it fix the problem? Or did it create more problems? More hurt? Here's what I want to say. It's easy if we consider these things lost because they really are loss. Here's what happens when you die to this notion that vengeance and uh, vindictive attitude is good for you and something that you want to hold on to. You, 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 you get rid of this delusion that vengeance is ever going to solve anything. Here's another thing you get rid of. You get rid of resentment. You get rid of bitterness. You know, there's this comedian, Mike Birbiglia. And uh, a number of years ago, he was in an accident. And, uh, and it was a bad car accident. And due to a clerical error that the police officer who was writing up the report did a little sloppy job, he said that Mike Birbiglia was at fault when he was not at fault. Mike Birbiglia, in one of his early comedy specials, goes on to tell how this consumed him and he he had this idea he needed to make this right 
and it became so consuming that it became what he talked about at dinner parties. And whenever his friends would call and they would say, hey, how's everything going? Well, let me update you about this. I've been trying to get it. And finally, he wasn't able to get any satisfaction from it. But finally, his, his, his girlfriend at the time, who's his wife now, looked at him and she said, look, you're right. You're right. But nobody's ever going to see that you're right. But look at what it's doing to you to try to prove that you're right. Try to vindicate yourself. And in that moment, he had to put to death his sense of justice, fairness, equity, this idea that he was going to be righted, this vengeance that he had in the situation. And what he got to experience was the power of resurrection in his life. I don't think he would say it that way because I believe he's an atheist. But that's how I see it. He got to experience the power of resurrection. We are invited to trust that Jesus has died. That he is alive. That he reigns today. And if we believe these things, what we are told theologically is through our trust that Jesus did this work, you and I receive the gift of salvation, which, which you could just articulate in a bunch of ways, but, but you get, uh, as we said earlier, justification and sanctification and reconciliation and redemption. You get these things. But today, as it's Easter Sunday, we got to remember that the, the disciples learned early on, it wasn't just Jesus that was called to carry the cross. See, Jesus carried his cross, was exalted, ascended into the right hand of the Father, and then he says, now you follow me. Follow me, tell my story. Well, how are we going to tell your story, Jesus? Well, what is my story? What's the way to new life? Oh, that only comes through death, through the suffering death of the cross. Yeah. All right, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. I'll follow you through death and into resurrection. Paul, Paul said, the way that you can carry this weight is if you do what Jesus did. You stop clinging to that which you think is valuable. You let go of it and you let it be put to death. And you trust God who raised Jesus from death. That through death, you'll experience the power of Jesus' resurrection right here, right now, today. And Paul would even say this. Listen, even if you don't get to experience the fullness of the resurrection right now, here's another thing that Paul would say. Listen, the sufferings of this present do not compare to the glory that's waiting for us. So maybe it's not just a notion or a thought, or an attitude that I have to put to death, but maybe my life 
is lost. And guess what? All of us at one point will lose our lives. Maybe we stop clinging to the notion that, 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 that this life is so valuable. More valuable than the life that he has for us. That we're willing at the time when we're tested or maybe at that time that draws on to say, I know what comes through death resurrection and so our lives even become that living testimony listen we have this good gospel we have this good news but it is weighted it is weighted because there's a revelation in it that the only reason why we can celebrate this morning is because Friday happened Friday took place Friday actually occurred and you and I, we have the summons to trust Jesus and to trust Jesus' way. And here's what I uh, encourage you with. This world needs us. This world needs us to follow Jesus because this world doesn't need new legislation. It doesn't need a new ruler. It doesn't need any new laws on whichever side you think that the laws need to be put on. That's going to right this world. What this world needs, this world needs to embrace this reality that Jesus Christ is king. And that he became king not by holding on to his, his righted kingship, but that he did so by letting go. And this world needs to let go of its power, its control, its authority, and surrender to the authority of Jesus. And you and I can testify by doing this, by letting go, by putting to death, as it were, those things that we hold so valuable. And we can do that when we stop considering them valuable. The power of resurrection will be known in your life and in my life. And whenever it's known in the life of the believers, it is known in this world. So might we, might we heed the summons. The cross bids me come and die. To find that I may truly live. Might we carry this weight and not grow weary. With that I say, amen. And blessings to you on this Easter morning. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here today and uh, uh, you need to consider this word. Maybe you need to... Uh, Die to this notion that you can do anything to be made right with God, to have salvation, to receive God's love. Maybe you need to die to this notion that there's nothing you can do to receive God's love, whichever way it, it falls on you.
today you need to uh, come in humble fashion and ask the Lord for his mercy, for his grace, for his forgiveness, for his peace. I promise you, Jesus isn't going to look at you and say, I'm sorry, you need to do something. Jesus isn't going to look at you and say, I'm sorry, you've done too much. You've done too much bad. Jesus is going to look at you and say, here's my resurrection power. Here's new life. Uh, if that's you, I would invite you, even as we uh, pray this morning, that you could come and you could talk to me down here and we can have a word of prayer or I can direct you to somebody else in our congregation that you could pray with today and talk with today. But as we are all here, as we're all considering this, I want us to consider these things. Are you growing weary carrying the weight? Uh, are you... Holding on to something that you think is so valuable that you need to let go of. Uh, this morning, as we experience uh, and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, might we put these things to death so that we can experience the power of resurrection ourselves? Uh, Lord God, I pray and I ask that you would just please be with us over these next few moments. Meet with us and attend to us, I pray. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help us to let go, to not cling, to not consider anything more valuable than that which you have in store for us. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. As uh, Brother Mitch plays for the next few moments, I'm going to invite you just to a time to talk to God about what he's talking to you about, considering these things that we've talked about this morning. If you need somebody to pray with, I'm down here at the front.
Lord God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that we get to gather together, that we get to worship you. Uh, Lord, even on a beautiful uh, morning where we celebrate your resurrection, we're reminded. We're reminded, Lord, that you not only raised for us, you raised to show us the way to new life. God, uh, that's a weighty call. But God, uh, I pray, knowing that your spirit is with us to help us bear the weight. That as we go from this place, uh, Lord, we will be able to bear that weight well. I pray, Lord, that uh, we find that that weight is the cross itself. And like your son Jesus, who for the joy before him endured the cross, might we, for the joy before us, bear the weight of this good news. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would do so, so that we could bring and experience resurrection power, a power of your resurrection now. I pray that we would do this as we live lives in hope and anticipation of the resurrection that is coming with your son, Jesus. Until that day, Lord, I pray. Uh, help us. Help us. Huh. to participate in the sufferings of Christ, to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ, so that we might experience the power of his resurrection. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrecting, resurrected name. Amen. 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 My brothers, my sisters, I'm glad that y'all were with us today. We thank you for being with us. Um, we're going to be dismissed in a few moments, and um, we have like... 550 eggs out there and like 12 kids, um, which is not really how it usually works on Easter. Usually we have like a bunch of grandkids and stuff like that. So y'all failed on bringing your grandkids and I'm sorry, but here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have our kids and parents, if you'll go get your kids uh, in the next few minutes, uh, we'll have um, y'all line up. And what we'll do is we'll just have y'all line up on, um, <clears throat> on, the, um, uh, on the sidewalk uh, with your kids and we'll like work our way towards the building. And uh, since there's so many eggs out there, uh, we're just going to do like a, a seven-minute timer. And whatever the kids can get in those seven minutes is going to be good. Um, and then uh, and, and they'll fill up their baskets. And then we'll leave the rest of the eggs for the birds. Not really. If you want some eggs, uh, you'll be free. We'll do a kid's egg hunt and then a, uh, an adult egg hunt. How does that sound for everybody? Y'all good with that? No. Uh, we'll figure out something to do with those eggs. But we're going to set a seven-minute timer and let those kids go crazy and get eggs. But we'll do that in a few minutes. Listen, we love y'all. We're so glad that we got to celebrate uh, Easter with you. We pray that God be, uh, is with you as you go from this place and that we can continue uh, living in the power of resurrection and always remembering that if we're going to do that, we have to bear about him, uh, bear about the dying of Christ in our bodies as well. Uh, with that, I say, God bless you. Thank you.